Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello, this is episode 41 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast and I'm your host, Hugo Che. Before introducing this week's guest, I would like to take the time to read one of the reviews that one of our most uh, loyal listeners left on iTunes. And uh, I always love uh, receiving reviews and this time I wanted just to, to publicly say thank to one of our uh, reviewers by reading their reviews in public. So this one was left by Vesa Loikas from Finland, who has been a long-time follower of the show. So thank you, Vesa, and here it goes. The Loki approach works very well here. The guest is allowed to talk a lot, and the host will only interrupt the show by asking the right questions. This makes the podcast relevant to the traveling photographer or anybody else who is just interested in exotic and interesting locations around the world. So thanks again, Vesa, and for all of you who hasn't had the time to leave us a review yet, you can do so by going to our website at ttim.photo and you will find the links to the relevant uh, iTunes page where you can uh, just give us a rating, stars if you like the show, or write us a few words. That's, um, that's very much appreciated and it helps us grow and gain more audience. So thanks again. And now on to this week's episode, which is all about saving money while working as a freelance travel photographer. Because, you know, traveling is expensive. Photo gear is not cheap either. So what can a freelance travel photographer do in order to make ends meet when he has to travel to remote locations to create work that hopefully some client will buy? This is the question that Matt Moreland tried to answer in an article I recently found while browsing the web titled 10 Ways to Save Money as a Freelance Travel Photographer. I thought Matt's uh, suggestions uh, would be useful to anyone who loves to travel and can't count on a lavish budget, so I asked him to be a guest on the show. Matt Moreland is a travel and lifestyle photographer from Toronto, Canada. After traveling to Peru to hike Machu Picchu, he spent three months living out of a jeep across Canada and the western United States. His appetite for road trips and photography has him currently working on a number of ad campaigns for major car brands, such as Land Rover and Toyota. He is currently planning his next adventure, an extended East Coast road trip through Canada and the US in a fall with his dog Lucy. Now let's uh, welcome Matt Moreland to the show, and remember you will be able to find all the show notes and links for this episode at ttim.photo forward slash 41. So welcome Matt, what's up with you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right, thank you. Thanks for having me, this is great. It's, uh, it's my pleasure, and uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to be with us today. First of all, I would like to you to introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, who is Matt Moreland? Uh, maybe how did you get started with photography and travel? A bit, a bit about your background, essentially. Okay. Um, I mean, I I started with uh, well, I'll start here. So my name is Matt Moreland. I live in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada, and uh, I've I've been doing photos since I was a little kid. My family did 
a lot of road trips growing up. And uh, I got a little um, point-and-shoot film camera when I was probably like like six or seven. And I sort of decided that I was the, the family vacation photographer. And um, the first few vacations of doing that, the photos were pretty terrible. There was one where... I opened the back because I just didn't know anything about cameras at the time. So half of the vacation was completely gone. Um, But that eventually progressed until me going to art school in Toronto at OCAD University for photography. Uh, I also did a exchange to the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And... um, that then progressed to me traveling a bunch after that. And that was sort of when my photo work took, I guess in a way it's original form of wanting to do travel photography, but school sort of changed me a bit. And then after school I found travel photography again. Mm -hmm. So now you're a full-time professional photographer. Yeah, now I'm a full-time freelance photographer as of uh, three months now, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually, so the the reason that you asked me to do this was because of that article I wrote mm-hmm. for Format. But I used to I used to work at Format doing um, support for websites. I did that for about two two and a half years, and um, that was a way that I could travel a lot because format let me work remotely. So I would work from coffee shops and stuff like that while I traveled and um, did all my photo work. So yours is a a typical story of a guy in IT who travels for work and uh, catches the bug of travel and photography. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then um, after I after I'd been doing that for a while, I had a, a stock photo agency reach out to me and then I started working for them and realized that I could maybe make a go at photography just as my income. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm doing now. Interesting. So you mentioned that article and that's exactly the reason why I I wanted to, to interview today and I think what you what you present there can be useful to to many of our audience and just uh, mentioned that the title of the article is 10 ways to save money as a freelance travel photographer so today i would like to to go with you over those 10 ways and uh, hope that will be uh, helpful and interesting for people who find themselves in a in a situation where they they love to travel they love to to photograph but as you say that that's not easy it you need money to, to lead that kind of life. Yeah. So how can you, how best you can save money and uh, finance your travels? Yes. So let's, uh, let's just uh, go through the, those 10, 10 points. I will just uh, uh, give you the title and the, the gist of the point, and maybe you can explain a bit more about it, and we can have a little bit of uh, back and forth about those. I have some more questions later. Okay? Yeah. Good. So the, the, the first uh, suggestion that you have is join a points program. Can you explain what you mean by that? 
Um, that's that's more like a, like an air miles or there's there's so so many of them and there's so much research to do. Um, this this one is is one that I learned from a few people I worked with at Format actually. Like there was uh, one of my colleagues, his name's Mike, and he goes to Asia you know, once or twice a year, he lived there for a while and, and he was really, uh, helpful with giving me information about points programs and how, how you can find cheaper flights and stuff like that. And then I, I also included in the article, a link to, uh, a Casey Neistat video, who's a, one of my favorite YouTubers. And he really explains his connection with American airlines and, how he saves a bunch of money and gets a bunch of free flight upgrades. Yeah, I know that that's a lot of people who do that uh, as a as their job, basically. Yeah, they do spend a days trying to find ways to to travel for free. Uh, sometimes it's uh, looks to me it's like a, a a bit over the top. I mean, those people, some of those people, are traveling for the sake of traveling. Like they okay, I want to rake up as many frequent flyer miles as I can, and then I can be in Dubai one day having dinner at the executive lounge there, and then be in Shanghai the day after, and then in San Francisco the day after. But some some of those people never end up leaving the airports. I guess in your case, it's uh, it's more of an expedient to to go to places that you actually want to visit than rather than just visiting airports that doesn't look like very interesting to me but yeah yeah this this is this is definitely one of those things that's that's more afforded to people who who are traveling very often like if you're if you're flying you know once or twice even three times a year this probably isn't very helpful for you because the points i mean maybe mm -hmm. if you travel three times a year you'll be able to save up for a fourth but these things are, are a lot more effective for people who are traveling constantly traveling for work constantly if you can put anything and everything on a points program it it adds up but yeah. and i mean you you have yeah, nothing just, to lose from from doing that just uh, it's free right uh, yeah so exactly get, get one of those cards and uh, and use it whenever you can yeah yeah all right so point number two Suggestion number two would be create social content for big brands. Right. So what's what's that about? How do you create that content? And especially, how do you get in contact with uh, big brands? Um, I mean, the the thing that I've I've always done in really in in any form of my career, whether it was when I was doing like fine art photography and trying to get art shows. Or now, when I'm trying to acquire clients, or or even get get work that I just really like on my portfolio, even if it doesn't pay that well, is to just be persistent. You know, like you just send emails, find people's contacts, send Instagram direct messages, tweet at people, like just anything and everything. You've like I have a a, a spreadsheet with all the brands that that I'd like to work with. And whenever I finish a project that I feel is, is relevant to a certain genre or, or, um, or brand type, I'll, I'll send, I'll make up an email that's sort of pitches what I've done already. And 
this is just coming out and I, I think I could make something similar for your brand. And then I send that off to usually about five to 10 brands each time I make something new. And, you know, sometimes nobody gets back and sometimes two or three people get back. It's, it's just about staying consistent and staying persistent. I guess those people that manage uh, advertising or editorial content for brands uh, receive a lot of those requests. Uh, so yeah. what, what, it, what does it take to, to stand out? Because uh, you, you mentioned the project. So I guess that that's one thing, right? Uh, right. Having it's, a project and not just a single image. Right. Having, having something to show, having, I mean, having a, some sort of like portfolio or, or pitch that is relevant to their brand. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm probably never going to contact Chanel because I have, I have nothing that would be appealing to Chanel. Right. No. But I mean, I, I figure within the next probably three to six months, I'll be in a place where I want to send an email to Patagonia. That's one of the brands that I've always wanted to work with. But I just don't really feel like the, the stuff I've put out yet is either there's enough of it or, or it's, it's where I'm happy with that Patagonia would, would say yes. So, I mean, if you're, if you're starting out or if you're, if you're not really established yet, going for, for smaller brands like, um, you know, look at, look at Kickstarter and see who's making, you know, small products in adventure photography like who's making water bottles who's making camping blankets who's making hats and shirts you know and, and just pitch to smaller brands and then build up those small companies a whole bunch of content for them and then pitch to to somebody bigger have you thought of uh writing an ebook or creating a, a video course about this and then selling it as a source of extra income. I think um, many people would be ready to pay for it, for that kind of information. Right, and it's, it's definitely something I've thought about. I, I'm a big fan of, um, I don't know if you know Gary Vaynerchuk, but yeah. he's like a, sure. a marketing guy that, that has a YouTube channel. And uh, he's fantastic. He's been a big inspiration for me. But um, the, one of the things that, that he always says about like eBooks and e-courses and stuff like that is, he he's he says it's pretty hilarious when people are you know two or three years into their career and they're trying to tell other people mm -hmm. how to be a professional at their career. So I just don't really feel like I'm there yet. I mean, if eventually if if I'm shooting for National Geographic and Patagonia is one of my clients and all these kinds of things, I I would definitely take the ebook or the the e-course route. But for now, I mean, articles and stuff like that is I I like getting the the content out there where people can just access it for free because I mean, it's stuff that I, I wish I knew when I was starting. Like even this article is like sort of 10 things that, that I wish I would have known, you know, two or three years ago when I was really t trying to take this on for a majority of my time. Yep. Okay. So we'll uh, wait a few more years for your ebook about. Yeah. <laughs> that will be, will be great. I'm sure. Okay, so point number three is uh, use Starbucks Wi-Fi. Um, I actually, I learned about this one from, I don't know if it was an MTV or a VH1 documentary, but I saw it when I was probably in high school. And it was, uh, it was about paparazzi photographers. And there was this thing about how after they would, because most of them are in LA, and after they would shoot 
a famous person, they would they would all drive to the nearest Starbucks and then they'd open their laptops in their cars and just start sending images mm-hmm. as fast as they could to whatever magazines were were paying them so that the magazines could get the content the fastest, right? It was kind of like a race to who could post the photos first. And I mean, you don't necessarily need to be posting first or trying to get your stuff out there the second it happens, but it's, it's sort of a testament to how good the Wi-Fi is at Starbucks and how they're everywhere. So, I mean, when I was on my last trip, I, I was doing vlogs for my YouTube channel and, uh, I would pretty much always edit and send my, well, upload my stuff to YouTube from a Starbucks because they, they tend to have really, really fantastic internet. That's kind of like one of their business pitches. It's why people go there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say don't come to Italy. There are no Starbucks here. <laughs> no Starbucks there, but is, do you have a similar chain? Like something uh, with really good Wi-Fi? No, not really. We, <laughs> uh, it's pretty difficult to find good Wi-Fi in general in public places in Italy. There, the, it's, it's growing. I mean, more and more bars and coffees and restaurants are starting right, to offer right. it, but it's uh, it's more like the exception than the rule. And no, for for some reason, we have no Starbucks here. We we might have other other chains, but no Starbucks. So, yeah, yeah but I mean, uh, other than it's Italy, it's, it's all over the world. So definitely it's a good... Yeah, it's definitely something that like you're going to get more often in North America than anywhere else. But the there are Starbucks all over the world. And I mean, I when I was in Korea, I, I did a similar thing because there was a bunch of Starbucks in Korea as well. So, but Yeah, that the point, I mean, I was just joking, but you made the point in the article that uh, hotel Wi-Fi tends to be really bad and, um, and expensive too. If you just get the, maybe the, the free service is not good, the, the premium service is very expensive and maybe it's not good either. So yeah, that was... Finding I, an alternative, yeah. It's uh Yeah, my my worst experience for hotel Wi-Fi was in Las Vegas when I was on my last big long road trip. I I was kind of like, "Oh, great, like got got a hotel with uh with a Groupon, so similar to like doing a, a points thing, but got a, a reduced rate on a hotel." And then said it included Wi-Fi, and I was like, "Oh, this is great. I can get a whole bunch of work done, all of air conditioning, all these things." But the Wi-Fi was just so terrible. And then after a half hour, it wanted me to pay. And then I could pay a, a higher fee if I wanted faster internet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I just went straight to the Starbucks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Point number four would be casinos, which yeah, this is was, something that surprised me a bit. I had no yeah, idea. This, <laughs> this is one that, um, that actually the editor at Format, Jessica, she was really surprised that that was in there but she she thought it was hilarious so she was really happy that i included it um but the casinos thing i sort of found in the last year like when when i was on my road trip i was constantly looking for parking and the first casino that i went to was in windsor ontario which is where the crossover is from canada to the u.s so that was like right at the start of my road trip. I think it was the first day. And uh, when we were parking, 
I was trying to figure out how much I had to pay for parking. I couldn't find any signs. And when I asked inside, I was like, Hey, how much, how much does parking cost? Where do I pay? And they're like, Oh, if you get, if you get a points card at the casino and you play for 30 minutes, you get free parking for the next 24 hours. And I was just kind of like, wow, that's really helpful. So I got the points card at this casino and the, the casino is, was owned by a bigger company that owned a lot of casinos around the U.S. So whenever there was one near me, I would go, I would play for 30 minutes in almost every case left with more money than I'd come with. Not a whole lot. Like I'd spend, you know, $20, $50, maybe leave with like somewhere between 50 and a hundred dollars. But then I'd have free parking for the next day. Wouldn't have to worry about my car. Could go explore the city that I was in. So that's that's sort of the basis of it. But when I was in um, when I was in New Orleans, I met a couple that was retired, and they were on the same points plan as me, but they had been doing it for years. And the casino was was flying them to different cities like four to six times a year. Mm-hmm. They would give them free hotels, free food, all these things. And and I was like, oh, they must be losing tons of money. And that's why they're flying them out there so that they'll spend all this money. And so I I felt a little rude about it. But I was like, you must be spending so much money at these casinos. And the guy was like, that's the great part. They're not bringing you in because you're losing. They're just bringing you in because of how often you play. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that he would spend usually about $500 of his own money every time he would go on a trip. And he would come home having made between $1,500 and $3,000 every time. Mm, so this, this casino, well, this casino chain was, was flying him to all their different casinos all over the U.S. where he could go on vacation with his wife. And they were they were literally making money on their vacations. So, I don't know. Maybe the casino one day will realize they are losing money on this couple. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, and it's it's actually a, a fairly. I don't remember where I heard it, but there was a podcast where the guy who started the the Total Rewards program actually spoke about it. Um. I'll try and look it up and maybe I can send you a link. If you can send me a link, we will uh, add it to the show notes. Yeah, but it was, he he talked about setting it up and how the, the casinos that it's in, their user review ratings have gone like through the roof Mm -hmm. and tons, tons and tons of people are now telling all their friends and telling their family to go to these casinos. So their, their casinos are really busy because so many people love the experience. So, I mean, they must be making money on the on the grand scheme, but just maybe not in the cases of these people that are I see. big points receivers. Okay. Anyway, this is another thing that people might uh, might want to try. Yeah. Uh, point number five is buy airfare through a bulk ticket program, which I never yeah. heard of. Can you explain what is a bulk ticket program? Yeah. I, I actually found out about this through a friend of mine that I met in Peru um, me and one of my friends went to Peru to do the, uh, the Machu Picchu hike. And, uh, we met a couple of British guys at the hostel we were staying at in Cusco. And one of them was talking to us about how he'd been traveling for like the last year. And, uh, he was like, Oh, but I bought all my, 
all my airfare before I left. And I was like, well, that's a pretty strict schedule. But he's like, no, you just buy in blocks of, of like miles, like in distance. So he bought like, I have no idea what the actual number was, but just thousands of kilometers. And then you just book your flights through whatever airlines are associated with the bulk ticket program that you, you use. And then you can fly from wherever you're going to where, from wherever you are to wherever you're going and just keep doing that until your, your, your miles run out. You're, you're using them up. Yeah. And it's, it's apparently quite a, quite a big, uh, saving. Yeah. Big Mm. saving. I haven't done it because I, I don't fly as, as often as, as most people, I'm, I'm a lot more interested in road trips and exploring North America. I, I do have plans to, to go to Europe soon. And I'd, I'd like to go to Southeast Asia sometime in the near future. But, uh, right now I'm still just exploring a lot of North America. Okay. Not a good thing to know. Number six is trade your services for food or stay. Any right. examples of that? Um, I mean, the the food one is is really easy because I I find it's the easiest with um, with bigger cities. It's it's not as easy in in small towns because you you usually need to pitch to to a restaurant that has some sort of social media presence. Yeah. So you, you want to go, you know, find a, a strip in the downtown city of, of wherever you are, where there's all these nice restaurants and just go in and be like, Hey, I'm a photographer. Like this is the link to my website. I, I do food stuff, show them some examples and be like, I was just wondering if I could maybe take five or, or 10 images of some of the dishes you have here in exchange for, for eating for free. And I'm, I mean, it doesn't cost them a whole lot to make those dishes. They make a few dishes for you. You take photos of them, you send them the photos and then you eat the dishes that they make for you. It's, it's a pretty nice way to, to, it's small costs to save, but the, the experience of, you know, a half hour of your time for eating at nice restaurants is, is a really, really great way to, to make your trip a lot, a lot more fun. Yeah, sure. Number seven, Peclite. Even your camera gear. Um, this is something I've been doing more and more recently. So I'm totally with you on that. What, what's your typical packing list? How do you travel? Um, I mean, at, at first I was packing everything and just realizing that I wasn't using probably 80% of it. So now what everything I have minus my reflector fits in my backpack so I just have my camera body and I'm, I'm usually only taking um, a Canon Rebel when I'm traveling because I just don't want to lose the 5D, you know, like that's, that's my biggest worry is it gets stolen or something like that. And, and for the most part, if I'm doing, unless I know that I'm doing big, big client work while I'm traveling, I'm not going to take my nicer camera. So I take a low quality camera. I mean, like the prosumer type thing, you know? Um, and then just a 50 mil for portraits and then something with a, with a bigger range for, for if you're doing some nature stuff or if you're, you know, in the city and you want to have the option of having like a wider angle and, or like a, 
a bit of a zoom, but really just like two lenses that you can swap in and out that are pretty small, pretty unassuming that just fit in your backpack. That's, that's what I go for. And then I, I take my reflector with me as often as I can. And tripod, yes or no? Um, I have one of those, uh, the, um, uh, what are those called? The gorilla pods. Yeah. Yeah, That I found that super useful, but the, the stuff that I'm working on now, I'm thinking I'm going to get a, like an actual tripod. I had one before, but the, I dropped it when I was on a hike and the head broke off. So I'm probably going to get that one fixed because I've, I've been doing a lot more night stuff and I want to do some, some stuff with stars and time lapses and things like that. And you really need something that's sturdy. Whereas gorilla pods kind of, if you leave them for too long, they kind of fold into themselves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number eight is book freelance work ahead of time around your travel plans. Right. So this one is is one that kind of takes the stress off of your travel because if you can plan ahead and know that you have income while you're traveling, that can really help you set how long your travel can be. You know, if you know you're going to make an extra thousand to five thousand dollars on your trip, you can take that one week trip and turn it into a month long trip, you know? So I try to, in the same thing that I was talking about with the social content, try to reach out to, in this case, it would a lot more likely be with brands that I've worked for in the past. So instead of just trying to pitch to new brands, this would be, you know, somebody I'm, I'm doing work for. I say, oh, I'm going on this trip. Is there any chance you want to, you want me to, you know, make content while I'm on the trip? And I mean, especially if you're doing work with car brands, this is a big pitch and they usually love it. So if they already have a photographer that they know that they like and you say, oh, I'm going somewhere, not necessarily exotic, but just somewhere that maybe photographers aren't usually there, they don't have someone in the area, you can pitch that you pick up a car at the nearest dealership to wherever you're traveling to take some, go, go out on a little road trip for the day and take some photos. And, and that can usually be a pretty good source of income, but it doesn't have to be cars. It can be clothes. It can be, I mean, I, I have a friend who I do a lot of photo work for his company. They're called no fun press. They're a clothing company, really great stuff. Love them. But, uh, I took a bunch of their stuff with me when I went to Peru, just like enough to fit in one little part of my, my luggage. And now he has a photo of one of his, somebody wearing one of his shirts on top of Machu Picchu. So it's, it's just where you can find things that they usually would have no access to and then pitch that to, to your clients. Okay. Number nine, pay attention to conversion rates and local currencies, which I think is a, is good advice for anyone traveling for whatever reason, not just photography. Yeah, not just photo work. Exactly. Um, I mean, this, this one's pretty self-explanatory, yeah. but I, I have had some, some friends with me on, on trips that, you know, they, they don't really look into it and they set up their money ahead of time. And then, you know, their, their credit card doesn't work here or, 
they find out that if they paid in the local currency instead of the American cash that they had, they would have saved $200. Like, it's really just just trying to find out what your best means are for wherever you're going. And there's usually tons of um, like message boards and and things where you can learn this stuff. Just a, a quick Google, and I find anytime I'm trying to learn something new through Google, I'll Google what I'm looking for and then open the first five articles and read all of them. And then if I need to do some more research from there, great. But usually I've, I find it all in the first like three to five articles. Good. Or you click on I'm feeling lucky button if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we are up to last one, number 10, which is sell every photo you've ever taken as stock photography. Right. And is, is stock photography still a thing? Can you people still making money through stock photography? Um, I mean, the people that are making money through stock photography the most are people that have been doing it for a few years. Like the, we're sort of at a point now where saturation is pretty high because a lot of people figured out that they could make money through stock photography. But it's definitely not going to hurt. You know, you, you're not you're not losing anything by doing stock photography, right? Like the the reason that I'm saying put everything you've ever made on a stock photography website is because you really never know what's going to sell and what's not. I mean, as you do it more often, you, you sort of figure out, you know, which stock sites like which stuff and what stuff sells well, and you can make more of that stuff. But it's, it's really a lot more about quantity and how much is there because it's, it's really just upping your chances. You know, if you have, 10,000 photos and only, you know, 2% of those are selling. That's still way more than if you have a hundred photos and 2% of them are selling. It's just, it's just trying to get as many photos up and available as you can. And then hoping that there's people that come by them and find them there. I I really don't feel like there's, there's tricks. It's just kind of like what I talked about before with finding clients. It's about being persistent and consistently making work and, making it available for people to purchase. Yeah, my, my only issue with, with stock photography, as you said, it doesn't cost anything, actually. It costs time, at least. Um, you said, yeah, 10,000 photographs uh, to put up on a stock site. It takes time to catalog them and uh, describe them with tags and process them and upload and everything. That's that's the time I, I personally don't have and I would rather spend doing something else, but if people have the time and want an extra stream of income, I think it's uh, you have those photos. It's it's only a matter of putting them up, tagging them, and uh, it's up to people whether they think that's valuable to them or not. But definitely, it's something that people should should look into. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's it's one of those things where the the when you set it up, it's going to take a little while because you you probably have you know. Like a, a bunch of a bunch of photos that you that you really like that you want to make available on these stock websites, right? But once you if if you make it a consistent routine where, you know, I, I go on a day trip with my friends for a hike and I come home and I pick the best, you know, five to ten images and then I add them to my site and then I tag them all, you know, it takes 15, 20 minutes, you know, and then if you, if you make a consistent 
thing where every time you every time you go on a trip or something, you you upload your work at the end. It's the the time versus payout is is definitely worth it. It's just that initial setup that's going to take some time. Yep, yep, yep. That's my my impression too, of course. All right, so we've gone through the list. I would just like to um, list the the items again so that people can use them as a quick reference of uh, actionable items. And then we can uh, uh, wrap this up. So your uh, suggestions, your list of 10 ways to save money as a freelance travel photographer is one, join a points program, two, create social content for big brands, three, use Starbucks Wi-Fi, four, casinos, five, buy airfare through a bulk ticket program, six, trade your services for food or stay, seven, pack light, even your camera gear, eight, book freelance work ahead of your time around your travel plans, nine, pay attention to conversion rates and local currencies, ten, sell every photo you've ever taken as a stock photography. And people will be able to find the whole article on uh, the Format magazine at format.com. We will put a link in the show notes. And uh, are you planning to, to write another 10, way, 10 more ways to save money? So, um, I'm, I'm actually working on a, on a bit of... I, I haven't really figured out how it's going to be presented at the end, but I, I am working on an article that's a more in-depth about stock photography Mm-hmm. Just because there was a lot of feedback after this article of people, well, not even feedback, but just questions, yeah. you know, because stock photography is such a, a giant thing. And, and I feel like a lot of people wonder about it, but don't really know about it. So I'm currently putting together an article about stock photography. Um, um, where, where can people go to keep up with you? If you have anything else you would, that will come up later. Um, I mean, your best bet right now is to follow me on Instagram. Okay. So it's my Instagram handle is just matt.moreland. So it's just Matt with a period between Moreland. And um, my website is mattmoreland.com. I'm, I'm planning a, uh, a blog release where I'm going to try and keep, you know, up-to-date blog posts about day trips I'm doing and, and things that I'm doing where – I can post more than one photo because right now with Instagram, I don't really like posting more than one photo from, from each place that I am. I just feel like that's a little overkill. So the blog will probably go more in depth with that. And I'm planning on doing some um, sort of like restaurant reviews and features on, on different restaurants that I'm going to through my blog. But uh, the other thing that's coming up that I should be back on in the fall is uh, my YouTube channel where I do vlogs and, and, uh, little Mm -hmm. fun videos of my travels. That's, that's my favorite thing to do, but I just haven't really had the time with all the the new work that I'm doing and going freelance full time. (laughs) Okay. We'll put links to all of that. So, so people know where, where they can find you. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, um, it's a great list that people can, uh, can really act upon. So thank you for, for sharing it with us. It's been a great pleasure to have you here. Anything else you would like to add before we wrap it up? No, I just want to say thanks for having me. This has been great. Yeah, and likewise. So take care and all the best for your next uh, trips and adventures. Thanks so much. Have a good one.